said something really dumb by now um yeah let's bring it out on that one (laughs) (laughs) um so welcome to the final boo-haha which i'm kind of excited about it i talked about it in the previous episode but uh the show's kind of going away for a little while or ever it depends so you're you're gonna kill the show which will in effect turn your ghost podcast into a ghost yes, cast and, itself. And that ghost might come back to haunt people's uh iTunes uh podcast feeds every Halloween or something ridiculous. Um but in in a brief word, I'm not quitting the show because I hate it. I'm quitting it because I decided to do a uh role playing podcast that's gonna take up every piece of my time that's not taken up by Afternoonified, so uh, is this going to be a podcast of the actual games? Yes. Or? Oh, exciting. Um, we're doing Monster of the Week, which they're doing right now on the Adventure Zone, but it's not going to be the Adventure Zone because that would be weird. Um, it's going to be fun. We found out that Monster Pod wasn't taken as a title, so it just kinda, I know, right? Wow. How could that be? The email and the Twitter handle were taken, but it is not... An active podcast. Crazy. There's so many monsters. So many. I'm a monster. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to do that probably at the beginning of next year. But that, that's secondary to the fact that I have Michael Garcia here, who is nice enough to come talk to me. Hey, everybody. And this is the second time I've almost forgotten my guest name when they're sitting in front of me. What's up, Randall? <laughs> Randall Lawrence? Yep. See, I remember his name. Two-time guest, Randall Lawrence. Second yeah. time he was here, couldn't remember his name. Uh, I, I am famous for forgetting names of some of the closest people in the world to me, my co-hosts. Uh, the first time I um, introduced Avalon Leonetti on our first episode of Forgotten Fantasies in front of a packed room, <laughs> I referred to him as Antoine Leonetti. <laughs> He's not an Antoine. Yeah, I well, I have this thing. Uh, I've actually talked to doctors about it, and uh, they they told me what I do is I list check. I have name panic, and I list check, and so I'll go with the little info information I can grasp. Uh, like in Avalon's case, I was like uh, a name, and I start going through this <laughs> rolodex of names in my mind. And I don't know why A-N would come before A-L, but, but it did, in, in the, or A-V. Oh, C-A-V, there it is. Yeah. That's why. At least someone like Aaron Leonetti, Andrew Leon. Hmm? Closer? If I get close enough, yeah, exactly. Abraham but, Leonetti, am I getting there? But that, that does bring to mind now that I, realizing his, his name is uh, A-V, if he had a fan club, it would be the A-V club. And thus the Avalon Leonetti fan club was born. <laughs> It's just us right now, but we can probably get his dog to join. Well, uh, you'll have to do that. I'm allergic to dogs. She can't come to meetings, but she can Skype in. (laughs) So for this, a very, very special episode. No relation to the podcast, a very special episode. Um, I'm bringing back something I did with Shane Hosey. And uh, in honor of the end of the podcast, I'm going to, quote, tidy up with this book of stories from Hannah J. Tidy. Wordplay. Yep. Um, I decided like a week ago that this episode is going to be titled Tidying Up. 
So, um, if you guys remember that episode, and Michael, you, you weren't there, but um, she's a horrible writer who doesn't listen to this podcast. But she probably ha- doesn't listen to her editor either. No, um, she self-publishes. Oh, she is her own editor. So she does not listen to herself. Um, she also has several other books out, which, I mean, to be fair, that's more than I can say. Yeah, but that's not more than you could self-publish. It's true. Oh, look at me being super rude. Phone on. Um, How's your audience just trying to call in? <laughs> it's my D&D group again. Um, yeah, so stories not written well, but she did cover three of my favorite stories, uh, two of which I believe are current, currently horror movies. Um, Wait, so not people based have adapted on... her stories? No. These are real world stories that this woman has written in her oh, style. it's her spin on, on yes. classics. So two of the actual stories are horror movies, and maybe the third one is, if it is, I don't know if I would want to watch it. Anyway, so let's start with... Uh, so do I have to guess what the movie is as you tell the story? I think you're going to know with this first one. It is The Winchester House, The Never-Ending Construction. Uh, I took my son to The Winchester House. I went when I was seven and my mom was driving me to Catholic camp. We've lived in Oregon my whole life, so she was driving me like two days away from home. Are you serious right now? The audience is throwing things. <laughs> I have at least six hours of just the cat harassing people over the yeah over the course of the show. Um, so yeah, this is a chapter titled "Ghosts: The Winchester House: The Never-Ending Construction," which is a great sequel to the Never-Ending Story. You know, yeah. Let's just get into this. If you grew up in the United States, the name Winchester is probably as familiar to you as Ford, Colt, and Wright, and the Wright brothers. Don't know what Colt is, but that's another gun. Okay. See, for me, I hear Winchester and I just think MASH. I think of Supernatural, which I think they were named after. It's related, but... You know, I've never actually watched Supernatural. First, like, five seasons, really good. (laughs) How many seasons are there? There are 13. There's 13 seasons, I think. Well, that'd be a good number to end on. You would think, but they're not gonna. (laughs) Yeah, you'd think they would have killed every demon from here to Florida by now, but... They're still working. I think they met God at one point. Well, Florida itself would take 13 years. (laughs) It's a modern day adaptation of the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo that I would really like to see. They're just stuck in Tallahassee. (laughs) How did they all end up here? I mean, it's... Fun fact, I I actually did some research on Scooby-Doo recently and it, the characters were all based on the um, uh, pr- principal characters of the uh, 50s TV show, The Mini Loves of Dobie Gillis. No shit. Yeah. And so Shaggy was based on Maynard G. Krebs, which was a role that was played by, um, ah, his name escapes me at the moment, but he's famous as Gilligan. <gasps> yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he was a uh, beatnik. Yeah, that... That checks out. And one has to assume that every time Shaggy isn't on screen, he is smoking weed. Travel bong in the pocket. Yeah, one, he's got a travel bong in one pocket and a handful of Scooby Snacks in the other. <laughs> I bought Scooby Snacks once, but it turned out they were just graham cracker treats. 
that, that doesn't even check out. Nope. It's supposed to be either peanut butter or butterscotch, depending on which mythology you follow. Butterscotch. I've heard peanut yeah. butter. Yeah, butterscotch was one that I, I read about in this companion book that came with a uh, pup named Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh, I fucking love a pup named Scooby-Doo. That's so good. I have the first season on DVD. And my fir- my favorite episode is one where the person was like trafficking drugs and they didn't specify what kind of drugs. It was just a lot of Velma going, he was dealing with drugs. What kind of drugs, Velma? Drugs. Okay. Uh, have you seen, uh, am, am I diverging too far from the story we <laughs> no. just started? We're right. sentenced um, in. It doesn't matter uh, at this point. Well, well you, you certainly saw some of the pieces of uh, the Scooby-Doo project, the, the night oh, of yeah. our show, yeah, yeah. Right? I saw yeah. all of it because I got there so early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, somehow that, that clip did not have the sonar version where, where they walked up in uh, the vehicle. They were selling pot, but it was actual pots <laughs> S- smoke's coming out and they've got like a kiln in the back of the van so the cops are like oh well, it, and they pot. did allude to it in the first live action scooby-doo um written by james gunn no shit yes shit oh now i have to kind of watch it oh it's good it's good um I've got, I've got a problem with lillard really yeah he's like the default shaggy now i'm uh, not for me yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was disappointed when it, across the board, every pick on that show uh, or on that movie bothered me. I don't know. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar does a good, a good Vel- uh, not Velma, Daphne. Daphne. Um, yeah, she she probably does. Uh, at that time, I I was kind of anti everything yeah, on television yeah, yeah, yeah. as when I was a movie snub. Um, it's great, but they are in their van at the beach, and there's just smoke coming out of the van, and then you like cut inside, and they're cooking veggie burgers. That what were we talking about? Yeah. Oh, but Matthew, they're cooking it on a grill on a grill with, in their van with THC oil. Probably, probably. Um, nah, keep losing the thread of what I was gonna say. Uh, Winchester, Cole. Lillard, Matthew yeah. Lillard. Did you see him in the new season of Twin Peaks? No, I didn't watch the new season of Twin Peaks. I'm yeah. not a Lynch fan. I, okay. I have logic requirements. Okay, I do not. <laughs> fucking love Twin Peaks. Yeah, are, are you a fan of uh, Neil Breen? Are you familiar with Neil Breen? The name does not ring a bell. Uh, he, he's, he likes to refer to himself as an indie filmmaker. Um, he self-produces. He's an uh, architect and realtor from um, Las Vegas. He's put out four feature films. And uh, at this point, he's hit the Lynchian level of his career. But if you're unfamiliar, um, we, we'd just be going down a rabbit hole with... <laughs> with, with, with um, I don't know. No uh, rabbit waiting for us. So let, let's let that go. But if anyone out in your audience is familiar, his new film, Twisted Pair, uh, that is his Lynch film. Where the f- Oh, yeah. Second sentence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just start. If you grew up in the United States, the name Winchester is probably as familiar to you as Ford, Colt, and the Wright brothers. Yes, the Winchester family we are talking about started with the main man, her word, not mine, William Wirt Winchester. Can you spell that middle name? W-I-R-T. Mm. Wirt. Or good old WWW. Um, who developed the modernized, quote, Henry rifle, unquote, that was, a f- I don't know anything about guns. 
I think that was the first repeater rifle. Okay. I feel like I should have made sure that my ex-Marine boyfriend was in the apartment when I was talking about this stuff so he could just yell like what it does. Oversight on my part. It shoots bullets! <laughs> it's not too far from what it would have been like. Um, so it was a favorite of American soldiers during the Civil War. The Winchester Repeating Arms Company popularized and invented several forms of the modern firearm, and the family made their considerable fortune because of weapons contracts with the government, as well as private sales made at the time. That was all one sentence. I love you, Hannah J. Tidy. <laughs> Uh, in fact, this company that was founded by William Winchester back in 1857 is the same company that is still in existence today. Fun history lesson. Uh, this is all in public record, but there is another closely related story that is not quite as cut and dry as these hard facts. Did you also... I don't know why she keeps talking to the reader. Did you also know that the Winchesters are connected with one of the most famous ghost stories in the history of the United States? Well, anyone who's familiar with the Winchester House is. I'm more familiar with the Winchester House than I am with the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Uh, God damn it, Hannah. This factual story will have the hairs on the back of your neck standing straight up. No, it no it's not. <laughs> I can tell you right now from reading your entire book. No, it is not. It all began at the height of the Civil War with the elaborate wedding of William Wirt Winchester and Sarah Party, P-A-R-D-E. Uh, party doesn't party. Oh, she parties pretty hard a little bit later. Oh, good. If so you, the story has a happy ending. If no, it does not. If you consider seances in your attic every night to be a party. Mm. It's a party to Satanism. <laughs> Um, Sarah, in New Haven, Connecticut, on September 30th, 1862. William was the heir to the Winchester Empire that his father, Oliver Winchester, had built. Sarah was a popular and loved woman in the community because of her talented musical skills. Didn't know that, actually. Fluency in several foreign languages and her innate charm. But they're not going to tell us what her musical skills were? Nope. We have to assume it's the late 1800s. She played piano. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say she played a harp. Oh, that's a classy lady instrument. Yeah. It's a classy lady house. It is. <laughs> I was just thinking about the movie. <laughs> but her harp only had 13 strings. <laughs> I just keep thinking about the fucking movie. I haven't seen it. It's, I will say this, it does exactly what I wanted it to do and absolutely nothing more. But did it make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up? Sometimes it did. Oh. I got a little creeped out. That's the Helen Mirren yeah. vehicle, right? Yeah, yeah, she's always solid. It's true. Um, the guy they got to play the main ghost, he he looks like a skeleton that someone stretched a bunch of silly putty over. And now that I think about it, he So was, he looks like Rick Scott. Yeah, he was also in the new season of Twin Peaks. <laughs> he was an asshole in that, too. Pretty sure he murdered a couple people. So he's Rick Scott. <laughs> that Civil War. William Wart Winchester. William was the heir. Yep. Uh, musical skills. Foreign languages. Charm. At the time of William and Sarah's marriage, it seemed like the world was their oyster. This is going to be really pedantic and nerdy of me, but in that time period, oysters were poor people food. Well, the, 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 in that time, rich people 
owned poor people. So by mm, by just, extension, yeah. owned a lot of oysters. Uh, it wasn't long, however, before things changed drastically and sadly for the worse. Four years after their wedding on July 15th, 1966, Sarah gave birth to their first daughter, Annie. Uh, but it was... Wait, what year? 1866. Oh. 1966. <laughs> Disco was, I don't know what was happening in 1966. I, 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 missed, I missed the mirror ball when I was going through there. <laughs> Yeah, and actually the big ballroom floor lights up when you... Yep. Really, And that's how you knew the place was haunted, because those lighted floor tiles would just go off when no one was in there. I would kill to see a haunted disco. Well, if you kill John Travolta, you might get your wish. I'm gonna see a haunted disco. <laughs> Sorry, John Tra. Religious listener of this podcast. Um, oh, Sarah, uh, the, the baby died. Because she had... A debilitating illness known as marasmus. <laughs> Just like a, a total aside. Ah, the baby died. It doesn't take a lot to debilitate a baby, but okay. Um, oh, in this illness, marasmus, uh, the body of the child literally wastes away until eventual death. Hmm. That was a bummer. Uh, the baby passed away on July 24th. really pushing this dead baby thing. Uh, on July 24th, and this nearly pushed Sarah towards the edge of madness with her grief. Checks out. Uh, Sarah was utterly distraught for some time after, but at least she had her husband William by her side to comfort her. Not for long. Oh, no. Uh, they never had another child. A year shy of their 20th wedding anniversary. Okay, so this is like 16 years later. Wait, was the baby four? No, they had the baby four years after they oh, got gotcha, married. So gotcha. on their 20th, yeah. The math checks out, I think. Um, one year shy of their 20th wedding anniversary, misfortune struck once again, and Sarah's husband, William, succumbed to pulmonary tuberculosis and died on March 7th, 1881. Sarah became a multimillionaire overnight, receiving an incredible inheritance of over $20 million, as well as 48.9% of William's family business, the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, with an income of around $1,000 a day. So was she not considered rich when she was just his wife? Yeah. Okay. It's the 1800s. Yeah, she was a possession. Like yep. Poor people and oysters. She was part of that $20 million. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's 20... It would have to be $20 million in 1881 money. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, you know that that was probably they probably were worth the equivalent of like forty billion dollars. We're gonna consult the internet on this. I don't know if the calculator goes back that far. Stupid new phone. I don't know which side is up. <laughs> there's no buttons. I mean, if you were a principal weapon provider to the U.S. government, yeah, it's got to be a couple. You were just out shooting buffalo. Presumably, I don't. <laughs> the American mythology is the old west, and all I know about it is what video games have taught me. Um, do video games and the Lone Ranger. Oh, eighteen eighty-one dollars in twenty eighteen. So twenty million dollars. It's a number too big to fit on your phone. Four hundred and seventy and some change million dollars. Oh. I'm not even impressed now. She was making $1,000 a day in 1881 money, which equates to $23,000 a day. 
she had the money to support the hobby we're about to talk about. All of Sarah's newly received wealth and family fortune could not help ease the pain and suffering that she was going through over the deaths of both her husband and only child. Her grief completely eradicated any ounce of joy from her life, and she was heartbroken. You know, if she needed joy, maybe she should have made a disco room. (laughs) Ye old disco. Um, It was in this fragile, highly emotional state that Sarah was approached by a friend of hers to seek out a spiritualist medium. This is at like the height of spiritualism. A spiritualist medium to converse with her husband, William, so that she might have some closure with after his untimely death. He had tuberculosis. Not an t- untimely death. Like, you have some time to kind of wrap shit up with that. Uh, right? Yeah. Well, I suppose, but uh, on the grand scheme of things, I you guess know, he was gone a, a decade too earlier. Soon. He might have had his 30 year plan set up. I mean, yeah. how, how long did people live in the 1870s? 30? <laughs> 40. Uh, well, I, I mean, looked, they already were on their 20th uh, anniversary. It they, seems like they, they were had wrapping to be in things their 40s. Um, well, I look at the life expect- expectancy in in 1881. Um, I am reading a book, Clan of the Cave Bear, because I got drunk and bought it on Audible. And it takes place in like Neanderthal times. And there's a character who is like 35. And every chance this author gets, she refers to him as an old, decrepit man. Well, I remember being (laughs) 35. (laughs) And I was certainly decrepit. (laughs) I don't know if I'd consider myself old anymore. Um, At 27, I am also getting up there in Neanderthal years. I should be dead. So, so does that mean in the movie Daryl Hannah was considered an old crone? Uh, no, in the book, the character that was like that she's playing was like twelve. Whoa, she's all <laughs> kinds of nude. I'm glad they aged her up. Yeah, um, yeah. The book would be a little sketch if it wasn't for like if this took place in the BCs when people lived to be like thirty five. Um. The life expectancy. Before clothes. Before clothes. <laughs> uh, the life expectancy was 56. Huh, that's so, yeah, that's not had, too bad. Well, I, like, I think he was expecting to do better than I planned to. <laughs> uh, if I had to guess, it would have been like 20 when they got married. So he was like 40 when he died. Okay. This is a lot of speculation. But then again, this entire story is speculation. I think her entire writing career is speculation. Oh, no. No, she did say earlier that this factual story. <laughs> um, when Farrah, Farrah, when Sarah finally met with the spiritualist, she was told that the ghost of her husband, William Winchester, I don't know why they keep naming him. Well, they dropped the middle name, at least. Uh, her husband was present. The medium relayed to Sarah an important message from William. He is telling me to let you know that there is a terrible curse on your family, and this is the reason for the deaths of both himself and your child. It will soon claim your life, too, unless you do something to stop it. This curse is the direct result of the deaths of thousands of people from the creation of firearms produced by the Winchester Family Company. Tens of thousands. (laughs) The whole Civil War, if we're being honest. Right, they were just using guns in the Civil War, like guns and cannons. Yeah, I think the Civil War was more uh, uh, cap and ball type type of rifles. So I mm. don't know if the, if Winchester was already producing at that time. Uh, they were. Um, 
I think they got married at the height of the Civil War. Oh, okay. So it technically wasn't, like, their fault. I mean, it's not their fault. <laughs> I suppose. I don't know. Um, family company. The spirits of the dead now seek vengeance. Sarah was also told that she must pack up, sell her properties in New Haven, and make a trail for herself in the west on the path of the setting sun. That is west. <laughs> Uh, Well, that's not speculation. (laughs) Sarah was also told not to worry. She would be guided on this journey by the spirit of her husband, William. And when she finally set... (laughs) And her bankers. (laughs) Someone who wanted that cheap, cheap New Haven property. Uh, When she finally set eyes on the right property for her new home in the West, her heart would recognize it. The vengeful spirits filled filled by the weapons of destruction by the Winchester family... That's a sentence. Um, would keep attacking Sarah because they were not at rest and they needed a home. In the film, starring Dame Helen Mirren, Academy Award winner, they explain this by saying she was building rooms that were replicas of the places where these people died. And then she would kind of just nail the spirits in there and let yeah. them sort their shit out until they calmed down and then she would let them out. To, to go to heaven or to just go about the house or back into I think to pass on or at least leave her alone. But yeah, she's like, here, this looks exactly like the library where you shot yourself. Deal with your shit and I'll be back in a couple days. I, that no, it, seems it like that, that seems anti-ghost story, though. Is it typically that the typical ghost story is is you're haunting the locale where something happened and they're not dealing with those shit. Yeah, I think they were taking advantage of the fact that ghosts from all over were coming to fuck with Sarah. Okay. She I had, guess that makes sense. She had an abundance. Yeah. If Sarah were to provide for them by building her new house in order to start her life again, she would live. But there was a caveat to this secret for Sarah's life. Spirit of William said, Okay. A lot of commas. Didn't need the commas. It was <laughs> it was that she would have to keep building this house so that she would not come to any mortal harm. If she were to stop at any time, she would surely die. Sarah believed wholeheartedly in everything that was relayed to her by the ghost of her husband, William. She immediately sold her dwelling in New Haven and started traveling west. Sarah continued all the way until she reached San Jose, California, where she bought a 162-acre estate with a six-bedroom home from a local doctor. Local doctor might have checked her out before selling her this house, but, you know, she had a lot of money. Yeah, well, the the local doctor at that time was probably, more realistically, the local heroin dealer. (laughs) Also a plot point in the film. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So so she was on her way to have a disco room. Oh, for sure. Give me that Coke. That old-timey cocaine in a drinkable form. The the original formula. Uh, With the psychic's message from the afterlife in her mind, she immediately began construction on the home, fearful of the possible consequences should she ignore the spiritualist's warnings. Please tell me I skipped pages. Thank God. There was like half a paragraph on the page that I turned to. I'm like, you can't end there, Hannah. Wait, she did, oh, okay. I, I thought we were gonna get to a point where she, she at actually least talks about our, the ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I have to assume it's on one of these pages. The print's really big though, so who knows? Upon buying the hundred and six the print is huge and the stories are short, but they feel so long. 
Well, it doesn't help that I'm interrupting every other sentence. It's the plot of the show. <laughs> well, it helps that I'm interrupting every yeah, other yeah. sentence. That's the basis on which we built this shit house. <laughs> and this is the basis. <laughs> With tidy on... <laughs> is our foundation. <laughs> if I stop, if I stop roasting these stories, the ghosts will kill me. So. <laughs> Actually, this last episode, the beginning was my suicide note. I'm quitting this. Well, these are the stories within. You are recreating the moments within which they it's lived. True. So, you know, maybe that movie wasn't all wrong. Maybe Sarah Winchester will leave me the hell alone if I tell her story and let her work it out. Um, she had no formal blueprints for her house uh, construction project. And for the next 36 years, she employed 22 carpenters hard at work all year round, 24 hours a day. Okay, and and the uh, life expect expectancy at that time was fifty six. Yep. And what did she die at? Um, I would guess that she. I think it'll tell us at the end, but I want to say she was in her seventies or eighties. Yeah. So bitch lived out of spite. Yeah, I I think that it worked. It did. <laughs> uh, I'm about to build a bedroom onto my studio. <laughs> It also helps that, you know, she didn't go anywhere and she had all of the money. Okay. Um, 24 hours a day. The workers kept building and rebuilding, altering and demolishing, changing and constructing each and every new wing and area of the Winchester house. You know what, Hannah? I'm going to give it to you. That was an okay sentence. Through the years, the house grew to and formed into 26 rooms with no plans of faulty construction. Every morning, Sarah would meet with her construction foreman to discuss her hand sketch plans for... <laughs> Sorry. Every year, this old woman just comes up to a man who has made this his job. <laughs> and she's like, so this cocktail napkin has the new two bedrooms I need you to build. The stick figures, ma'am? I, 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 so did he convert it? Into actual written plans, or did he just? Fl I mean, how, how much research do we believe she's done? Well, and how much research do you do on this? Do, do, do we just read it and, and go? In the defense of this story, uh, this is my first time reading it all the way through, but we did do an episode of Afternoonified on the Winchester Mystery House where we had a former tour guide on. So I want to say that they sketched out the day's blueprints after she gave them her sketches. Um, but I don't think there's like blueprints for the house because la two years ago they discovered a whole new room. Oh, I heard about that on the news. And they turned it into, get this, a shooting gallery game. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's like they're taunting her ghost. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that it's still running. Like no one was like, this is some bad taste. I I think it's great. I think that's <laughs> hilarious. Um, there was always a method to Sarah's design madness, and sometimes if her room plans were not executed to her liking, she would order the workers to just build a room around the old one. Yeah, like painting over a bad paint job. Yeah. Amidst all the chaos and the never-ending construction, Sarah became obsessed with keeping the spirit satisfied. Became... Hmm. Some people say she would even arrange dinners and set the table so that it would include her ghostly spirit guests. The spirit of her husband, however, did not visit her again. What a dick. Maybe that meant she had done it. <laughs> she fin I, he, he left because he was able to pass on because she had finally built enough. 
Um, the Winchester House continued its chaotic expansion, and by 1906, it had reached an unprecedented height of seven stories tall. But despite all the stress, fear, and constant construction construction building work throughout her life, Sarah Winchester lived to the ripe old age of 83 years old. 83. She was so old for that time period. There's no way she was getting up and down those stairs. Actually, in the uh, house, she she was really, really small. Um, and she had bad arthritis, so they actually, she had them build the stairs super short. I, I re- yeah, I, yes. I've, I have done a tour there, and I recall the short stairs, but I, I don't recall any of the spiel that explained the, the Yeah, um, so there's just a shitload of stairs, but they ascend like three feet. And there's that room with the weird stairs that kind of wind back and forth. Right. It's a room of stairs. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, um, there's a, a number of different stairways all kind of interconnecting in that room, yeah. right? And then there's the one it's where... It's a very M.C. Escher kind of thing. It's true. There's one where there's David like... Bowie and his, <laughs> and his big balls come in. It's actually where they keep the Goblin King now. Oh. Um, yeah, there's one staircase where like 26 stairs go down, but 12 or something go up. Like the amount of stairs coming back up from the plateau doesn't match the number of stairs that went down there. Yeah, so the the math's supposed to confuse the ghost, right? Yeah, she basically wanted the ghost to get lost in the house. She had trap doors. No, none of the staff was allowed to see her except for like one person. She had listening. If to they me. saw her, she sent them through a trap door. Yeah, uh, she actually would fire them immediately um, and pay them well for firing them, but. She had listening devices installed in, like, the kitchen so she could hear if the maids were talking shit. She was the Howard Hughes of the 1800s. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jars of urine and fingernail clippings. Um, So much of what was going on in her mind will forever remain a mystery, as Sarah was a very private woman and left no written records of the second half of her life. Although the exact number is unclear, it is estimated that the home contained around 160 rooms. The home's uh, design is akin to a maze due to its unique construction and that counting the rooms is almost impossible. Today it is registered as a California historical landmark, which is open to the public under the name of the Winchester Mystery House. We're actually going to talk about some of the ghosts in the house now. Oh, thank goodness. I thought we were wrapping up. We are. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Uh, Most people who visit say that they can still feel the presence of evil spirits in the home. Workers have heard footsteps moving furniture and other odd occurrences in the home. Whether the ghost of those killed by Winchester firearms still live there or not is something you will have to decide for yourself. The house maintains regular visitation hours, and there are special tours that are available, some of which may include a flashlight or psychics. One or the other. A flashlight or... <laughs> or psychics. Uh, while the house is incredibly odd-shaped and an architect's nightmare, you will also find quite a few fantastic innovations. Um, like, not a single ghost. She had, like, button press things to turn on the lights and stuff when it was gas lamps and it was pretty cool um even though sarah was very isolated she kept her mind busy is it possible that the spirits helped her in build it, her building endeavors we will never know for sure i for one hannah posit that no <laughs> no they did not um well it, it has been a, a pleasure to go through the first th- this first chapter of uh Hannah's hobby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hannah's night gig. <laughs> okay. 
I have a feeling this is actually her day gig. She's just sitting at some desk somewhere, and it was either you know, uh, 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 painting her nails or researching her ghosts. Um, yeah, that story was very light on ghosts. Well, technically, I think the whole premise is that the ghost made her build it, and now they're gone because she's dead. Well, they can't haunt her any longer. Yeah. Um, it's so kind of, does she haunt the house? Yeah, it's kind of that premise of a ghost can't kill you in the house that the ghost is haunting because then you're a ghost in the house and you're going to be pissed when you get over to the other side. So you, you, you'd end up having some conflict like the Patrick Swayze ghost? Yes. That was forty, almost 45 minutes of Winchester, but... <laughs> oh, jeez. So uh, we're going to do one more. Um, so I'm going to give you the choice if, if you want to hear about the Paris catacombs or do you want to hear about the Cecil hotel? Hmm. Catacombs are full of bones. So full of bones. And, uh, it's what they based the film as above, so below on. Oh, let's go with that one. I actually saw that movie. Loved it. I hardly remember it. Um, it, I get super nerdy about it and people hate watching it with me because I will then try to explain all of the parallels it has to Dante's Inferno. Okay. Yep. Um, it's insane. Also, Ben Feldman is just the best. Which one's Ben? Uh, he was the handsome man who wasn't French. Oh, handsome men are the worst. <laughs> handsome men. <laughs> what so, was his name again? Ben Feldman. Ben Witt Feldman. <laughs> um, I don't know if you watched the short-lived ABC comedy A to Z. No. Um, I think he was in Mad Men, too. Oh, I watched Mad Men. I did not. I love Mad Men. I watched the first like two seasons, and I was like, oh, all of these people are assholes. Yeah, it's about America. Yeah. It's also why I stopped watching Breaking Bad. I was like, I can't watch this. I had a rough time. I actually had to go back and watch it after the show ended just because I wanted to be able to know what the hell people were talking That's about. That's why I started watching year. it. I yeah. could not handle, handle Skylar anymore. Yeah. I could not handle Walt anymore. If they just made the show Jesse getting into like meth shenanigans. Methigans. Methigans. Shenana. Amphetamines, I don't know. So the Paris Catacombs. Uh, the story is titled The Paris Catacombs, Darkness Beneath the City of Light. Oh, she, she sold me. She got good at titles in Chapter 9. Although, from the way that the font is current, it looks like Chapter Negative 9. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's just uh, the modifier for your dice roll. This <laughs> is <laughs> a negative 9 to charisma. <laughs> Um, when we think of Paris nowadays, the minds of the vast majority of us quickly turn to thoughts of love, culture, light, French cuisine, landmarks such as the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and other cultural marvels of this famed city. I'm being honest, I think of ratatouille and cheese in that order. I, I think of war. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did do that. <laughs> yeah, part of it. Um, it also reminds me of the fact that my sister, who is in her 30s right now, didn't know Marie Antoinette was a real person until she was in her early 30s. <laughs> she loved the uh, the movie. And then we were talking to her, and I mentioned something about the history, and she's like, oh, is she a real person? Yes, Missy. Oh. 
She's like, that's sad. Yeah, there was a whole war about it. And, and, and a lot of conversation about dessert. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make her watch Les Mis. It took me so long to understand the whole let them eat cake thing. Just, ah. Yeah. Or, or you know what it was even tougher for me? The, the uh, have your cake and eat it too. I could yeah, never like, wrap my mind. Why would you mind... fucking have cake if you weren't going to eat it? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that the, well, well, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but that, that one always bothered me as a kid. Or if you're the Unabomber, it was eat your cake and have it too, which also makes no sense. Yeah, but I, at least he's breaking down what the idea really is. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a Schrodinger's kind of thing, I think. Schrodinger's cake. Yeah. Is it chocolate or vanilla? You won't know until you cut it open. Red velvet. <laughs> no one saw that coming. So yeah, she just listed all the stuff that Paris is known for. Also Disneyland, but whatever. Uh, certainly this renowned metropolis has a lot to offer to visitors in terms of entertainment, culture, and history. <laughs> she should write for Lonely Planet. However, as you may or may not know, there is a great deal that lies beneath the st city streets as well. The underground of Paris, aside from its subway network and old mining tunnels, has a frighteningly intricate web of ancient catacombs. I think the theme for this episode is just shitty architecture. <laughs> Never ending architecture. The nature of these catacombs is such that they are a haunted place regardless of whether they have actual ghosts or demons stalking their long corridors. Yeah, because there's dead bodies in there. And if they did it right, disco rooms. <laughs> Gotta love those French discos, which were actually featured in the film, As Above, So Below. They're, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to go off on another tangent, because I know I've been doing that this whole time. <laughs> but getting into this never-ending construction, you know, the catacombs go on and on, and uh, what was happening with the Winchester house, what if those ghosts left her house and were just walking the freeways, and the freeways keep getting built so they never end? That's they've just been so walking many, the roads. That's why there's so many highway ghosts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and no one wants to pick up those poor hitchhikers, and they just want to get to the fucking end of the road. They're like, come on, man. I've been out here for centuries. Where were we? Oh, she used oh. an exclamation point at the end of this one, so this is going to be a big sentence. Uh, while ghostly haunting is not out of the question, there is one thing you can count on. These catacombs have a dark and disturbing history. The tunnels amount to a few hundred miles in length altogether and are the eternal home to the remains of some six million people. Damn. Yeah, that is a lot of people. That was a deserved exclamation point. I'm sorry, Hannah. Uh, the catacombs were established in the first half of the 18th century. The thing about these halls of the dead is that for a lot, if not most, of these souls that inhabit them, the catacombs weren't their rightly intended resting place. These catacombs were built in order to transfer the exhumed remains from the city cemeteries for a number of reasons. Flooding? Flooding. Um, mostly flooding and crowding. Um, first, the graveyards were overflowing beyond their capacities. Secondly, there were numerous cave-ins in the cemeteries, making disease and other contamination a real threat. Also, I'd just like to sidebar and say that a dead body isn't inherently dangerous unless it had a contagious disease. Yeah. Or it started to rot. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, my, my, what if it, as it's decomposing, it's getting into groundwater? Well, yeah. No, that's that's the thing. But like, if there's a dead body, just like 
I don't want to say in your home. You probably shouldn't have a dead body in your home. Only ghosts. Only ghosts. But if someone is recently deceased, like, they're fine. Yeah. uh, I mean, there's so many cultures that actually sit with the dead for a period of time Mm -hmm. afterwards. I mean, for me, it it would be loneliness. But there's a lot of religions that have their their own... uh, um, there is a person, a mortician named Caitlin Doherty, who's written two books about being a mortician and whatnot, and she does a lot of good educating people about dead bodies aren't like contagious just because they're dead, and um, not cremation, the other thing. Embalming is ruining the environment, that kind of thing. So weird. That- Feed a tree. Yeah. Look what ate. I think I want to be a tree. Or I want to do that thing where they freeze dry you and then vibrate you so hard that you turn into, like, ash. Wow. I want to do that just because that <laughs> sounds like it'd be a hell of a show. I Could they do that, like, right in the middle of my funeral in front of everybody? <laughs> and then the dust just blows across the audience. It's like, he's gone. <laughs> and then I want, like, a super deformed fake skeleton to be what remains. <laughs> it's like, shit, her insides were fucked up. How does she have nine ribs? Wait, I don't know how many ribs a person is supposed to have. Not nine. Not nine. (laughs) She has 23 ribs. I mean, if it was nine, I guess that'd mean Marilyn Manson had eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't do well in anatomy class. (laughs) Actually, I took an anatomy class um, in high school, and then the words, we're going to a morgue, came up. And this is before I was like, sufficiently spooky and i was like well not taking this class oh wow i i accidentally took a horse husbandry class once <laughs> I, I cut school on class sign up day <laughs> which was a bummer and they just stuck me in a elective and it was horse husbandry and i, I was a little punk rocker at the time and i and the aggies hated the punks um so i i was like going into enemy territory but by the end of the semester, we were all friends, and I had become like an envoy of my scene that kind of helped make things mellow out. But we had to go to a ranch uh, one time, and I watched the rancher remove the balls of a bull with his teeth. He, he made a little incision <laughs> with a knife and then went down and grabbed the sack with his teeth, probably just to shock us. It can't possibly be the most efficient way to be doing this kind of work. But that was when I tapped out and I went and drank tea with the rancher's wife and ro- watched Horowitz in Moscow and let the rest <laughs> of the class go on. That's not where I expected that story to end up. I expect, like expected someone to be up to the elbow and in horse but oh i'm sure they were but i was already (laughs) the the balls was enough yeah i wasn't ready to see a dead body i barely made it through frog dissection day and i never happened we moved around so much i somehow skipped that class you know that aspect of the class whatever school i went to don't look at me like that she's giving you that look like holy crap that last story was 45 (laughs) minutes long aren't you done yet (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like you promised me W after this <laughs> I was like I can was... she read your lips you covered your mouth <laughs> I'm afraid she knows what W-E-T food means her ears perked up yeah we have to call it W word around here and well make sure now it... you just put the con- you and connected sure the dots for her now she never knows. be in the kitchen when we use the phrase W word I could be talking about where's Waldo. You don't know. 
Warts. She could be talking about warts. I could be talking about the band Wings, for all you know. She could be talking about the middle name of Winchester. <laughs> yeah. Don't get Winchester food. Just bullets. Six million people. First half of the century. How long did your episode with Avalon go? It was two hours before I cut it down. Oh boy, I am breaking that record tonight. Uh, it happens. Like Avalon and Shane, I both got like two hour episodes out of them. Like, well, we're just going to take this whole middle bit and now it never happened. <laughs> so there was... We're going to record for three hours and you're putting out a 20 minute episode. Yeah. 56 minutes right now. Still got, what, three pages of catacombs? More Another than that. hour and a half so of many. catacombs. All right, catacombs. Um, graveyards were overflowing beyond capacity. Secondly, there were numerous cave-ins in the cemeteries making disease. I did this diversion, and I'm sorry. Uh, making disease and other can contamination a real threat. Uh, this is why authorities decided to begin moving many of the dead into the underground. Into the underground. Like it's the upside down. Yeah, see, I hear that, and I think they're putting them on a subway. <laughs> uh, Ship them out. To the underground. The B train is just corpses. Uh, in the period between the late 18th and 19th and mid 19th century, uh, disturbing their prior peace in the process. Points for alliteration, I guess. Uh, most of the remains would be mere bones by the time they were approved for transportation, and a bigger part of the process was conducted under the veil of darkness. Yeah, no one wants to see dead bodies. Some of the skulls and bones are stacked in an impeccable organized manner along the walls of the tunnels, giving an almost artistic quality to the corridors. Corridors. Um, but yeah, the like they just have a bunch of femurs stacked up, and it looks beautiful. Yeah, I've seen pictures. I, I, I would very much like to go to a tour there. Yeah. And hopefully it's not as... I was very unimpressed with the Winchester tour. I haven't been there since I was seven. Oh, so that was 20 years ago. Uh, and yeah. they since added a shooting gallery. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I, so I took my son when he was about eight or nine. That's a good age to take children to see. Uh, yeah, he, I think he was pretty bored uh, after a certain point. They just shuffle you through so quick. Or yeah. at least they were at that time. Um, what From what we heard from the former tour guide, they had a set amount of time. You have an hour. So you either fill the time, or if your group is asking a lot of questions, you kind of have to hurry through it. They're very strict there, I guess. Yeah, and we had a very snide, rude tour guide who mm. was really mean. I wanted to give him a talking to at the end, but I didn't have time. <laughs> Can't go over that hour allotment. But, yeah, please. They just evaporate at the end of the tour. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> they just vibrate real hard. Shatter. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the the fact that the the mansion itself is just like in the middle of the city. I thought we were going to be going down a big spooky road out onto like acres and acres of land, and and that yeah, wasn't the case right at all. Yeah, it's just right down there. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I felt like it, you could have an apartment that overlooks the walls. That's the dream. Except I'd have to live in San Jose. That's the nightmare. Yeah. I mean, but what other city can you go to a giant flea market and then see a haunted house in the same day? Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Any city? Paris, probably. Oh, for sure. You can go see a bunch of bones and then go to a flea well, you market. You could go to the catacombs and get fleas. <laughs> 
artistic quality. Other remains, however, appear to have been simply thrown or unloaded into small rooms and hallways, which left them piled up in no particular order. It's not like they were alphabetizing them in the other rooms, guys. Um, it's safe to say human bones can be found almost anywhere in these catacombs, and many are just scattered throughout the tunnels. Uh, needless to say, if there is a place in the world where ghosts are want and wandering souls are likely to lurk, it's here. The countless number of human remains and the fact that they were brought to the catacombs after having been laid to rest in their original graves are just fuel for stories and theories. I'm worried this is going to be six pages of her being like, there are bones in the tunnels. Yeah, she never described a single ghost in in that last uh, story. I mean, William Whit. Well, yeah, I guess her husband. It barely counts. Yeah, but there was no, there was no spooky. There's no like spooky. The, yeah, where where were the rattling chains? Uh, they, they they talked about hearing footsteps in in the stairwells, and when you have three hundred workers every day that can't be in the same room as you, you're gonna hear footsteps. Well, I have good news. There actually are some ghost stories in this nice. one. Which is weird, considering the book is titled Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories Sometimes. <laughs> Occasionally. Um, there is a story in here about how Jeffrey Dahmer was a shapeshifter. Not a single fucking ghost in that. What's he shift into? A, a murderer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, into a cook. Not a great one. Well... <laughs> Shift from mild-mannered chocolatier to mad scientist to Emerald. Yeah, but he he was at least fresh sourcing all of his food. Yeah, it was it was very much bathtub to table. We nice. should just end the podcast on that. I'm not gonna top that in the next 45 minutes. Can you just cut that out and tag <laughs> that in at, at the, the end? end. <laughs> just a 30 minute loop of me making a Jeffrey Dahmer joke. Um, the countless number of human remains, but, but that was a long sentence. Over the years, there have been scattered reports by visitors of what they believed were sightings and encounters with ghosts. Some have described an unrelenting feeling of being watched and stalked while they were underground, while others say that they have felt somebody or something physically touch them at times. If there is something paranormal to be seen down here, one may, must take quite a few risks in order to get to the position of catching anything. You go on a guided tour, mm. Hannah. A nice French lady in a vest will take you through it. It's I'm pretty fine. sure if you go to France, you're going to catch something. Uh, the catacombs of Paris have been open to the public since the 19th century, and they can be accessed via a designated surface entrance. This is the staging area for organized tours, which can be booked. However, these tours are very limited, both in their long longevity yeah, and their area of sightseeing, as the official tours only focus on a tiny portion of this enormous system. It sounds like Hannah went to Paris, paid for the tour... And was mad that it was only like 45 minutes long. Yeah. Well, did she go on the tour at the Winchester house? <laughs> this provides tourists. <laughs> she another... just watched the movie. <laughs> oh, 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 this might be my favorite sentence. This provides tourists and other curious cats with a basic idea of the sights, ambiance, and the isolation of these catacombs. But it all amounts to just a taste of the real thing in the end. She said the phrase, curious cats and a taste at the end she is getting sassy in that <laughs> sentence it does sound like she's just real mad about the tour she bought that's why you, you know i went to paris just to go to the catacombs that's why you don't buy your touristy stuff on les groupons that <laughs> required a drink <laughs> nice throat gets surprisingly dry reading this bullshit for two hours <laughs> Uh, those who wanted to get better acquainted with the catacombs in the past have had to venture outside their comfort zone and slightly outside the bounds of the law, too. 
The Paris catacombs can be accessed from many, many locations apart from the formal entrance. There are manholes and similar openings all over the city that leads to the catacombs. Did she access any of those? I think she watched the film as opposed to Sobel and was like, <laughs> okay, this is fact. It's a documentary. They met Satan. Using these like access points and venturing beyond the designated touring areas is illegal and carries with it a fine, which is much less than what a lot of enthusiasts are willing to risk for their thrills. Oh, so she 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 was pissed about the ticket she got, too. <laughs> I was going to make a joke, but I don't know what the currency is in France. Euros? At this point, probably. Let's go with that. Euros. I would just say something like francs. <laughs> I think that's in Germany. No, they do euros, too. I think they just pay each other with cigarettes. <laughs> if don't... it's a large purchase, it's a case of wine. Much... Like, you can't buy stuff in Canada with Canadian quarters. You can't go to France and buy cheese with Virginia Slims. <laughs> this slim. <laughs> Apart from the slight run-in with the law, exploring the catacombs pose... She did this. She 100% broke the law. Um, catacombs poses many real dangers and can cost those who dare embark upon such a journey way more than a small amount of money. A huge, a huge portion of the catacombs is off limits and thus not illuminated in any way and simply isn't refurbished, secured, and meant for any kind of exploration or tourism. The tunnels can get very confusing even if you have a map of the catacombs and this is or a French guy named Le Papillon. Wait, what? Uh, Did no. she put that in there? No, that was oh. my in parentheses. <laughs> okay. um, well, the epilogue is going to just be the fact that she's not allowed back in France. <laughs> No, the epilogue is a uh, excerpt from her other uh, book, Hannah J. Tidy's Horror Stories, terrifyingly real stories of true horror and chilling murders. Does she have reviews of her book on the back that are written by her? Nope. But yeah, the the epilogue is just part of her story about Hinter Kaifek, which is one of my favorite murders. I was going to just read the last part of this book as this for this podcast, but it doesn't include the whole story, and I wasn't going to toss her another six ninety nine. <laughs> doesn't deserve it. Come on. she She's still trying to pay off that loan she had to take out <laughs> a, to take care of the French <laughs> fine that she received trying to lift a manhole cover that was too heavy for her to actually remove. So she dropped it on her toe. Traffic got stopped. There were and, hospital bills. There was bail. And she's still not allowed back in France. Well, she can have part of the royalties from this podcast. Which will be about the equivalent of the royalties from the book. I think she owes me six ninety nine at this point. Slight run of thought. Huge portion of the kind of not refurbished. The tunnels can get very confusing. Map. And then that's where we went off the rails. Uh, and this is only made worse by the absolute enveloping darkness that you'd run into. Another threat is the fact that some parts of the catacombs may be insecure, unstable, and prone to caving in or flooding. <laughs> All actual descriptors for Miss Tidy herself. <laughs> that or... I don't know. I'm just keep thinking about that scene from Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. Last Crusade? Which, which scene? Uh, where they were under the library and there were the rats. Um, yeah, the, I think that is Last Crusade, where, where X marks the spot. Yeah, he was with the German lady. Yeah. Oh, she looked like my ex-girlfriend at the time. I hated that movie. I hate watched that movie when it first came out. <laughs> I mean, not a bad pull. At least she wasn't a Nazi, right? Uh, okay. 
This was the era of skinheads, but let, let, let's leave that for another conversation. Uh, let's get back to Hannah. Uh, without getting yourself killed outright, you can easily lose... This is just a cautionary tale. You can easily lose your way and get lost, which would almost certainly mean a slow and excruciating death within a few days. Uh, Make some bone soup while you're down there. Oh, shit. This is going to get good. Good, relatively. Uh, similar was the story of one man who ventured into the remote parts of the catacombs all by his lonesome, um, believe it or not. It is estimated that he started out on his journey sometime in the early 1990s. This was discerned from the footage retrieved from his camera, which was the only trace that was ever found of him. He brought this camera with him to document his feet using the camera's night recording capability. Oh my god, she is totally just describing as above, so below. <laughs> Listen, man, the mole had to get down there somehow. Um, yeah, I think they just got off-brand Noel Fielding to play that part. Anyways. Noel Whit Fielding. <laughs> probably is his middle name. Let's be real. Um, the, he, this guy tried to Blair Witch the catacombs, basically. Um, this provided a way to illuminate his way as well, which was absolutely necessary in the total darkness that surrounded him. No! just lost my spot okay we gotta start over from the beginning oh there's that stupid poem from shane's episode uh the recording was simple first person point of view footage this is as above so below uh that he recorded by hand the man seemed well adjusted determined organized and perfectly in control for the majority of the 40 minute recording that he left behind i'm gonna say no not if he was exploring the catacombs by himself I'm more interested in watching this video than hearing the end of her story. Uh, he documented many of the corridors and the bones found in the crypts as he proceeded deeper and deeper into the literal underbelly of Paris. The footage clearly showed markings on the walls, mostly arrows, which the explorers seemed to follow. It wasn't until a while into the footage that things took a strange turn and quickly spiraled out of hand. Holy shit, this is suspenseful for the first time in nine chapters. Uh, the daring individual began to move through the tunnels more erratically, soon falling into a state of outright panic. At first, it appeared as though he had lost his way and was terrified by the fact. However, his state and behavior soon began to resemble that of a person being chased. He would turn around to look back a few times while the camera caught, a glimpse, caught glimpses of more markings or drawings on the walls. The most interesting of which was one apparently depicting a person with outstretched limbs painted on in white. After a while of frantically rushing uh, about through the crypts, the man does something incredibly strange. He simply drops his camera, and it seems to fall into a small puddle of water while still recording, uh, showing the man running into the darkness ahead of him. This peculiar action definitely further argues the case that he was not merely lost. Discarding his only source of light while being lost in a pitch black seems illogical and outright insane. In the likelihood that he dropped the camera by accident, the question begged is why he didn't think to pick it up. Thus, it is possible that he was running from something or someone, and if so, from whom or what. That seems to get a little creepy. Nah, I, mean, I suppose. I mean, I, I feel like it ends with him st standing in a corner. It, it's uh, And again, we're not getting any ghost. Uh, I think the implication is that a ghost was chasing him. Or could, a demon. Or someone who wants to take his camera. That too. Um, this particular story broke into the mainstream and was featured on television as well. There's been a been significant debate over whether or not the footage is genuine. Fair. However, this discussion is not about the location or the technical authenticity of the images, as the camcorder, 
camcorder was indeed found in the catacombs. Catacomb quarter? Furthermore, a group of explorers went into the, into the tunnels later on to search for and record the same location seen in the footage. Catacorder. Catacorder. Thank you. Uh, which they did. They recorded the same markings and images on the walls, including the strange white figure. The controversy has instead lingered over the question of how real the footage is. Some have speculated that it could have been staged as part of an elaborate, elaborate prank. I can't read anymore. <sighs> well, I, I am one who, who would believe that that's the direction that was going, because I, I am a non-believer. And, and me and friends actually had been attempting to try to fake a UFO in Lake Tahoe once in the hopes of making the news. So people do do weird shit in the hopes of, of just getting oh, for sure. some attention. For sure. Um, whatever the case, maybe nobody has ever come forward to claim authorship of the footage. And there have been cases of people getting lost in the catacombs during their history, never to be found again. I mean, how would you know if you found a body in the catacombs? Um, well, it might have a sweater that's only 20 years old. True. You assume rats might carry that off? Make a nest? Yeah. Probably. I mean, I'm not going to go looking. <laughs> I, you know, if you were in the catacombs and you actually stumbled across a dead body that hadn't entirely, I mean, that that's like you've hit the bonus round. <laughs> it's like you went down the right tunnel in Super Mario. Yeah, it's like... I, I mean, not only are you going to make the news for it, it's it's almost as though they need to make it its own chamber or or give it to that dead body now because it died down there. I mean, it's earned its right to be in the catacomb. Yeah, if you die in the catacombs, then it, it, it's a moment of cataconquest. And this is Ben Buha. Um, <laughs> no. um, so Hannah's closing paragraph on this is it might take many more years for us to find out what actually happened. And until that happens, we may just as well assume that his fate adds one more to the six million remains lost within the catacombs. On the other hand, the man may have gotten out just fine that very day, having quite a laugh when that footage was found and the public caught wind of it. The recording has since been uploaded to the internet, just the general internet, uh, for all to see and judge on their own, and something tells me that it, it will definitely not strike you as a joke. So, to the interwebs we go. Yes! While I do that, do you have any ghostly experiences that you would like to share? Okay, well, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, I am, am not really a believer myself. However, when I was young, I very much uh, uh, was. And in fact, um, I suffer from uh, sleep paralysis. And this was something that uh, struck me much more often in my teen years and, and in times of uh, great stress. And uh, early on, before I had done any research and found out what uh, um, sleep paralysis is, uh, I uh, would be visited when I was in that um, paralyzed uh, state. And I would see a dark figure that had these kind of goat goatish eyes and I was convinced that there was a demon following me. And this was for years. Are you sure you just didn't need to embrace the spirit of Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it was Krampus the whole time. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, in fact, I, I can go, I can dial even further back on, on my Satan uh, fears as a kid. It's a healthy fear. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I mean, I, 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 
when I get down to it, Satan is probably Satan and uh, and all the Lovecraftian things are are the ones that that get me on a very visceral yeah uh, level. But when when I was a kid, I started reading horror novels very young mm-hmm. because my mom read them and they would be on the shelves. And I was reading The Exorcist when I was like eleven or twelve. Oh no! And the the book was old, and the pages at the end of the book were falling out because the glue had been drying out. And I was convinced that Satan was making the pages fall out. And I had drawn him to me because I had been reading about Pazuzu in the book. So now I've got Pazuzu fucking with me and he knows I'm going to figure out how to beat him at the end of the book. Because that's how you know I assumed he was going to get beat at the end of the book. So he was making the pages fall out. So I couldn't figure out how to defeat him. So I was trying to keep them all. But I also wasn't very obsessive compulsive about my cleaning yet. And so I was losing the pages. And I thought I was losing you know my my ability to to fight on the side of God. That's very Grover in a monster at the end of this book. I, you know, I bought that book for my son, but I don't recall how it plays out. Um, but Gro- I bet it's a better scary story than anything you just read well, to me. Well, there, are, there are Twilight novels that are scarier than what I just read to you. Um, no, Grover reads the title of the book that he is in. It's very meta. Uh, it's like if Deadpool did a children's book. Um, and he finds out that there's a monster at the end of this book. So he basically spends the rest of the book trying to get you to not turn the page and get to the end of the book. But when you reach the last page, it's just Grover. And he's like, it's me. I remembered now. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Um, also, it's it's weird because he knows he's a monster. It would be like me being in a book called There's a White Lady at the end of this book. <laughs> well, I'd be like a ghost scared of another ghost. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to make for great audio. But we have uh, part one of one of... A video titled Man Gets Lost in the Catacombs. And and can I just mention in the right corner of the video is the ABC Family Channel logo? (laughs) Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, please tell me this is a clip from Ghost Adventures. Paris, France. The city is stunning. Is that Hannah's voice? No, that (laughs) sounds like the lady from Poltergeist. This house is clean. This city is dirty. It is. And we're not even adding commentary. This is. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely tangent Unless you pay. (laughs) False. That video camera containing mysterious footage was discovered. That is just the ending of of Blair Witch. Oh, shit. It's like a documentary on it. Um, So, while... Hannah is mostly full of shit. Yeah, she said I, he was stable. He looks like he's on meth. Oh, that's. I think that's just a video analyst. Oh, well, um, the video analyst is on meth. Also, he's French. So, while Hannah is full of shit on many levels, um, this video does exist. And it is in what looks like an ABC Family 13 Nights of Halloween style documentary. 
narrated yes. by the um like the can't think of the word the psychic the psychic from uh poltergeist <laughs> um right so that's run from the light that's the show. Oh, you know, maybe that's what happened. He heard run from the light and he just dropped the camera <laughs> she, and got the fuck away from the light. And then... She just hides in the catacombs. <laughs> Have you seen her? Yeah. I, I feel like she hides in catacombs. Oh, for sure. Well, she does now. She's dead. She, that's where she was buried. <laughs> well, they, you know, they found her body because she had been down there narrating videos. And like I said, <laughs> one, one, once you've died in the catacombs, you've earned your entry if you die in the catacombs you die in real life what happens in the catacombs stays in the catacombs including your spirit um this is a very ghost light episode of boohaha but well for the last episode for now for now I, again might come back to haunt you around halloween um with actual ghost stories with actual with ghosts. ghost stories with actual ghosts um i just Scooby-Doo has more ghosts. <laughs> Live-action Scooby-Doo. Real monsters. Really? Yep. Well, I mean... Ah, like, cheaters. Uh, my personal favorite Scooby-Doo film was Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. I, solid. I've seen it. Um, I'm finally getting to go to New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like... Cause if I remember correctly, don't the, don't the uh, like pagan types, aren't they heroes in that? Well, no. Mm, Ah, it shows you how much I pay attention. Um, technically, they were justified. Um, it was a group of people who worshipped cat gods who lived on the island, and then pirates started to show up and like do asshole stuff. And pirate so stuff. pirate stuff. And then the uh, the pagan ladies turned themselves into cat creatures so they could like get rid of the pirates, but they also kind of turned into assholes as well. So the pirate ghosts and ghosts of, or like zombie tourists and stuff were haunting the island to warn the gang about the fucking cat people who were going to eat them so they could stay alive forever. So the, oh, wow. Everyone was kind of an asshole in this movie. Was Shaggy an asshole? A little bit. Scooby was kind of an asshole, too. Scooby is an asshole. He eats everybody's food. Um, there were also a lot of cats in this film, and uh, he didn't like that. There was also a gardener that was really hot, and I think Velma was into him, which was a nice, refreshing change oh, of I pace. was so sure you were going to say she was into her. That, it that would be nice more to accurate to the lore that they have built up. But I think it's always been implied that like Shaggy and Velma were a thing. Or at least it was in the not the newest Scooby-Doo series, but the one before that. So uh, uh, a good question, then, is, is in... If you get into that Hanna Barbera like Scooby verse, mm-hmm. you know, is Jabberjaw alive in Scooby's same world? I and al- if so, I always thought of them as separate entities. Because I, I, I think I don't remember what it might have been. Uh, uh, Speed Buggy, you remember Speed Buggy? Yes. Because uh, everyone has their own Shaggy and everything, well, and yeah. Speed Buggy was the Scooby of that episode. I think they crossed over with um, Josie and the Pussycats. So Beautiful. That, yeah. So there was at least some uh, which implies universe. that the Archie gang also existed in the Speed Buggy universe, because Josie and Archie right. are yeah. Yeah. So I like the idea that Jabberjaw is in the same universe as Scooby, because then 
any haunted ships with pirate ghosts could be fucking with both Jabberjaw and everybody underwater as well. It's as true. The it's islands. true. There was, yeah. Um, also, Batman and Robin made an appearance in Scooby, so it's safe to assume that the entire DC universe exists in the same universe as Scooby-Doo. And the Globetrotters. And the Globetrotters. And uh, recently, they did a Scooby-Doo Supernatural crossover. Correct. Um, <laughs> which bothered me, because in having the Supernatural guys as part of Scooby-Doo, it implies the actual real existence of ghosts in the Scooby-Doo universe. Yeah, but doesn't the uh, didn't the island story imply that there are supernatural aspects I guess. as well? I feel like they're kind of separate because in the original, I guess no. Yeah. If you're counting Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, it does imply that ghosts were real. Yeah, see, that was when Scooby Doo lost me as a kid, and I was probably a, a, a teenager when, when that came out. But once they were introducing real ghosts, I was kind of pissed because I liked them as being debunkers that were out there using logic to break things yeah. down. Um, yeah, I, I grew up when a puppy named Scooby Doo. No, that was in the late '80s, right? Yeah, we used to stay up on acid all night and watch it the next day. We'd watch that and uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse and The New Adventures of Mighty Mouse by Bakshi and, oh, wow. and John Kay. Uh, yeah, so A Pub Named Scooby-Doo would have been in syndication when I was growing up. And then there was all the other Scooby-Doo. And Zombie Island came out when I was a little kid. So, like, that's my basis. So I don't know why I'm so upset that they implied that ghosts are real in the TV series. It just was weird. Yeah, I feel everybody just knows the original Scooby as a little kid. You get the tapes, it, it, it's on in general reruns, so so you get the established idea that they're out there debunking stuff. And yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, and like even in a pup named Scooby-Doo, it was never real. Yeah, imagine watching one of those ghost hunter shows and a real demon fucking pops up. <laughs> That's how the, what How it's these like. muscle-bound guys would react <laughs> as they run and drop the camera and go sprinting down the catacombs to get out of there. I would pay so much money for Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures to see a real ghost. I would give anything. His crew should fuck with him sometime. Just imagine what kind of reaction that would get from the public. Um, I am the proud owner of the original Ghost Adventures documentary <laughs> that they like self-produced and stuff. And if I didn't grow to like know them better... It would be very convincing, but I know them now because I was a very dedicated Ghost Adventures fan for like three years. Oh, wow. You were invested. Yeah. And then I realized Ghost Hunters International was like 30 times better. I'm not familiar with that one. Do they wear Affliction shirts as well? No. Uh, they actually go in and then like look at evidence and then most of the time they're like, shit's not haunted. Okay. Your pipes are weird. There you go. That's the stuff I want to. I want to hear what James Randy's going to say when, <laughs> when you've got like a ghost report. He's going to show up, do some investigation, check I, out what's going on next door. Maybe they're having construction done. I don't think there's actually a show called Ghost Report right now. So jump on that. Get Stephen Colbert to host. It'll be great. The Ghost Report. <laughs> the Go Report. The Go Report. I'd watch that. I'd watch it and enjoy it more than I enjoyed the. Like 45 episodes of Ghost Adventures that aired while I was into it. Yeah, I, I think I've watched two. Uh, they came to the Shanghai Tunnels for one of them. I'd watch that. You know, I haven't even been to the Shanghai Tunnels. I've, I've been, been down to that little bar. I've been to the bar called Shanghai Tunnels. Um, love that bar. 
It's very cool. It's a very good place to take first Tinder dates because it's super like scary if you don't know it very well because it's underground. It's kind of a metal like biker bar. The bartenders are all really buff, but they will like if someone's being shitty to you, they will just beat them up. It's great. Yeah, and then they'll just dump their body into the Shanghai tunnels, yeah. and we've got our own uh, Portland campus. We are sustainable hauntings. <laughs> Locally sourced. Locally sourced, sustainable hauntings. Bar to grave. Bar to grave. <laughs> Making sure that our ghosts don't go stale. Have you been to Old Town Pizza? I have. Have you seen anything? Um, Some really good pizza. That's fair. Um, I work right across the street, so I'm there like once a week. And I have literally eaten pizza in the same spot that a woman fell to her death. Just hoping. Hoping. Nothing. What were you hoping for I exactly? Don't know. I was hoping maybe like a piece of floating pepperoni. I don't really know. <laughs> I've never seen a ghost. I have no baseline. So have you? Uh, do you have any youthful memories of what you thought was ghosts? Actually, uh, at the Winchester Mystery House, uh, we were doing the tour, and we were in one of the big ballrooms, and I thought I saw a man standing, like, off on the tour, and I went to, like, tell my mother, and then I looked back, and there was no man. I'm assuming it was probably just a shadow. Scared the ever-living shit out of me, and if you remember... I was on my way to Catholic camp. Right. So that was a rough two weeks. Okay, well, I've got something along those lines. It's not a a ghost memory of my own, but it was me inducing a horrifying uh, ghost situation for my younger brother. I have have a brother who's about the same age as my son. Um, So so, uh, I'm like 25 years older than him. And uh, he was getting ready to go on his first school camping trip, and he came over, and we put on uh, Blair Witch, which, of course, I portrayed as being a real tape of course, that had been of fanned. course. And uh, I, I was selling it to him and my son, you know, who, who were watching it with me. And I was selling the story so hard, my son picked up on on the fact that I was like, he he knew something was up. You can't be too eager. And yeah, yeah, and he knows me. He knows when I'm yeah. full of shit. Just like I know when he's full of shit and just pretend I don't have the time because I don't want to have to deal with the arguments <laughs> that's going to come about if I call him on his shit. But we're watching the movie and my buddy Joe walks out onto the deck and my brother doesn't even notice. He goes out there and he starts making symbols with the pine needles and pine cones. And he comes back in and he's like, hey, what's that? My brother looks out and he sees all the symbols and he starts freaking out. And he's like, oh, my God, it's it's the Blair Witch. He's, and we're like, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. Let's finish the movie. He's like, no, you got to call somebody. Well, who are you going to call? The government. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, know, knowing how my um, phone worked, because uh, this was long enough ago that we had a actual house phone with a answering machine. But it was an era of cell phones. I call the house phone on my cell phone in my pocket, knowing that pocket calls kind of sound underwater. And so I, you know, I called the phone. I'm like, hey, I wonder who that is. And then it goes to the, the voicemail and it's coming through the speaker. 
And as we're talking, we can hear our voices coming through the speaker. And now my son's really losing it. <laughs> or excuse me, my brother. And he's like, go turn it off. Go turn it off. And I go to turn it off. And because my phone's in my pocket, it starts a feedback loop from the phone answering machine. So the closer I get, the louder the screeches that it's putting off. And eventually, my brother was so scared, I had to take my phone out of my pocket and show him what we were doing. Uh, I watched that movie for the first time when I was 13, and I was staying over at a friend's house, and she lived in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, no tie, Oregon, middle of nowhere. Lost my goddamn mind. Yeah, that movie, you know, it legitimately scared me when I saw it. Uh, and it takes a lot for a horror film to scare yeah. me. I mean, I, I, I'm a, a diehard horror fan. In they my can't teens, all be we hereditary. Acid and watch horror. I mean, that was, I mean, we, we, I'm gung ho. And that movie scared me very, very much. Yeah. As did in the same era, not long after that, The Ring. You know, seven days later, I really was like, whew. Got got by that. Uh, I, <laughs> I was watched, watching the clock. I watched The Grudge the first weekend that my parents left me at home alone. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've had some very shitty ideas when it comes to when am I going to watch horror movies. Um, I binged all of Hill House a weekend that I was here alone. Um, so now you're very scared of CG. I loved that show. <laughs> um, I like that director. He's the only person who could have taken the Ouija franchise and made it not a steaming pile of dog shit. And instead it's okay. Yeah, I didn't see his one, but I've, I've heard good things. Uh, Ouija was terrible. It's just teenagers being dumb. But uh, Ouija Origins was, it's a period piece, which is my favorite kind of horror movie, which is why the Conjuring movies are my favorite. I like anything that takes place in the 60s, but it was filmed in the 2000s. So you get the visual quality of the 2000s, but the outfits and the music of like the 60s and the 70s. Well, the music's definitely better than the music of the 2000s. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mama Cass, also in the Scooby-Doo universe. Yeah, and she was in the episode that had the Neapolitan ghosts, and they were some of my favorites. Do you not remember the ghosts from that episode? But do you remember the cart cat jumped on me? I was waiting for it the entire hour and a half. Um, it was like crime fighting teens, but they had a revolutionary war era ghost. Uh, yeah, we uh, actually showed an episode of that cartoon, I think on the Halloween episode of our Saturday morning, uh, cartoons and cocktails brunch show we do. Ah, uh, yes. And that was, uh, God, what it, it's the, the spirit. Oh boy. What's the name of him? Um, it's got a groovy name. It's really funny. And I love that cartoon when I was like five because they would always sing songs during it. And he talked. It's almost like he had. He sounded like Ed Wynn, if I remember correctly. Um, the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, well, he had a voice that was unique and evocative of someone else. So that very well could be um, um, who he was. Uh, God, it wasn't the spirit of 76. I am going to Google 70s cartoon ghost and, yep, Space Ghost and Casper, Funky Phantom. Funky Phantom, that's what it was. Oh, and they had a dog and a ghost and a, is that a ferret? A ghost ferret? Uh, oh, it's his ghost cat, who I think is French. Notice the little uh, feather in his cap? Uh, okay. Well, he's a revolutionary no, ghost, I love, I so love the, it. the French helped us out. <laughs> 
I'm he into pays it. the cat and feeds him in with cigarettes. Or if it's a really big thing, a case of wine. <laughs> Did a really good Lace job limb. on that. That demon this week. Here's some Merlot. I might have to start paying for the Boomerang channel on Amazon Prime just so I can watch these again. Uh, Verve. We have that. There you go. Really, they have they, they have, have a Hanna Barbera. Uh, uh, it's not Boomerang, but it's uh, it, there's a Nickelodeon cartoon thing. Yeah, on there. I've watched a no. lot of Secrets of the Hidden Temple over the last couple weeks. Well, it's all about Shudder for me. That's why I've got Verve. Yes. Um, sometimes they have gems, and other times they end up watching an hour and a half long Finnish film about the Bodom Lake murders that doesn't actually include the murders that it is named after it's just teenage girls murdering teenage boys which admittedly satisfying yeah nothing wrong with that a little payback um i was just hoping it would be about the the 70s murders have you seen as long as we're talking about um um uh murders and ghosts in lakes uh there's this uh australian ghost story really really solid Shit, I'm um, blanking the name. It, it has it's. Uh, oh boy, you're gonna have to edit this out because I'm I'm just going to stammer for a minute trying to remember it. But it, it's quite excellent. Uh, it's got a it, it's got an oddball name because it, it's named after an actual lake that it takes place at. It's a um, kind of faux documentary, but it plays very real. It, it's one that I've been able to play for people and sell as a real documentary until it starts getting uh, deeper in and the ghosts start uh, showing up. Um, that happened with a film on Amazon called The Blackwell Ghost. It is very, very convincing as an actual documentary until... And this is very dumb of me to think like this. Until the ghost stuff is too convincing... And and then what? what, what wait, uh, is what? it called Lake Mungo? Yeah, Lake Mungo. See that Mungo name just—it sounds kind of goofy. Um, but it is one of the most effective ghost movies I, I've seen, and in many ways, it inspires a lot of what happens in um, the Haunting of Hill House. Uh, oh, damn! Series. Nice. There's a lot of techniques that are used in that movie that I could tie right back to, to Lake Mungo. Yeah. Oh, God. That... The Red Room goes back to it. The uh, ghosts in the background stuff goes back to that it. That is one of my favorite fucking things. It is why I love watching Woman in Black, the Daniel Radcliffe version, because sometimes that bitch will just be in the background of a shot there's no music cue. She doesn't move. And there's something big happening in front of it, so you don't see her. And I love playing Where's That Bitch. <laughs> Where's watched... That Bitch? It's a fun game show. Um, like you do a shot every time you see that bitch. So you get drunk when so you watch drunk. that movie. By the time Daniel Radcliffe gets hit by that train, you don't even care. Uh, you know, I, I never saw it. it it's Sorry. a mo- no. That's fine. I, it's not one I'm, I I've started. I will start a movie and turn it off in fifteen minutes if it doesn't click for me because I have so many movies I yeah. need to see. And that was one that just felt over, overly composed. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It again. Period. Piece. Ghosts. Old house. All the things that Emily likes. Yep. It, it was uh, curated specifically for you. It is. Um, and also, like, with Hill House, I love long, continuous shots with a lot of, like, um, visual, not effects. Can't think of the word. Uh, uh, to, Optical uh, illusions to... is what oh, I was okay. looking for, um, which they did a lot in that episode of Hill House that was, I think, four shots. 
Yeah, the the one where they have the uh, argument in the uh, uh, around the uh, casket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that whole episode was like four shots. Have you seen the new Halloween? Yes. Oh my god, so good! And it has that. Yeah, I thought it was one long tracking shot. I've gone back to see the movie again, and I can see two edit points at least during it. Yeah. But it plays like a long tracking shot, and there's certainly big pieces in between. Oh, but yeah. But the trick-or-treat tracking sequence is just the, the best piece of horror I've well, seen the, this Well, the year. thing with Halloween is that I appreciate the first one, and I love the Rob Zombie remakes. I love Rob Zombie. Wow, we it, are on different I, I know. pages there. It's, it's visceral and it's brightly colored and Chris Hardwick gets the top of his head cut off and it's just... Well, that's reasonable. Wow. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is amazing. Devil's Rejects, amazing. I found that to be more painful to watch just from like I have very bad secondhand uh, embarrassment. Um, and there's just something about that movie. Um you're embarrassed for like you mean like the the cringing for yeah, the pain like the characters are in yeah and just the not, humiliation not for, point yeah. not like it was bad yeah um, I have that with comedy I, I have a hard time watching like I've never finished the original Office even if it's only yeah. like oh, six no, episodes or whatever um, first I can't get through the first episode I'm like, I love Ugh. Broad City but sometimes I'll have to pause it and just like do a lap around my apartment like oh my god <laughs> um but yeah right. I I appreciate Halloween. I don't like any of the sequels. You don't like Halloween 3 with the masks? Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. So I went in to see Halloween because people said it was amazing. I'm like, I like Jamie Lee Curtis. I'll give this a shot. It was so good. Yeah, loved it. Um, I was worried about it because, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street is, I'd say, my favorite horror franchise from that time period 70s f- 80s. i love the first one i don't like any of the sequels i love the first one the second one is hot garbage that we should pretend doesn't exist oh it, it's fun hot garbage though all, all the gay subtext and everything i've it, seen it's it so much fun i've seen it maybe twice because it hurts me um it's out in the theaters when it came out i'm old i got all of the nightmare on elm street movies for like five dollars in a dvd set at walmart <laughs> Um, oh, so you you binged them? Oh yeah, Dream Warriors was good. New Nightmare. And I hated the Dream Warriors. It was dumb, which I appreciate. It just broke all the rules. Well, yeah. I mean, even number two did, but Dream Warriors was when it's like, okay, we're just letting everything from the original actual scary movie go. Yeah, I like this when is gonna Freddy be is like creepy and dark and, and scary, like he was in New Nightmare. But I also really appreciate it when they just take him to like an earnest, scared, stupid level of. <laughs> Like, we don't care anymore. You guys are still paying money to see this shit. Yeah, they, they taught him Kung Fu for the, the versus Jason movie. <laughs> see, that movie was terrible. <laughs> Only because Jason kind of sucks. Jason totally sucks. Uh, I am not a fan of Friday the 13th. The first anyway. movie was good because the twist at the end was like, oh, shit. Yeah, There's a little yeah. old lady the whole time, but... I mean, we were probably on number two or number three by the time that I was old enough to see these kind of movies. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the original Halloween I saw when I was young, I was probably about 10 or 11. And it's a legit film. Yeah. I mean, mean, just, you know, speaking of of film, it's solid. It's a real movie, not just slapped together to make a buck. And, And I think you could make that argument about the first Friday the 13th. But it it still was a bit of a cash grab trying to ride that Halloween yeah. train. For some reason, I also own all of the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, boy. I don't like them. 
I mean, he punches someone's head off. That was fun. That was cool. And I do enjoy oh. watching Kevin Bacon die horribly. I love Kevin Bacon, but it's baby Kevin Bacon. So he's still learning how to act. I, I really love Jason X. I don't remember that one. That's Jason in space. Oh, shit. Yeah. See, I, I mean, I, I love so good the, or so bad they're good movies. Yeah. It, it kind of hit that leprechaun stride. You know, I haven't seen Leprechaun in space yet. I've been meaning to because um, I know it's going to be just catastrophically I, bad. I like Leprechaun. Leprechaun too. Yeah. And then you get to Leprechaun in the hood. And it really just. Yeah, that's fun. I think Coolio showed up for a second, didn't say anything, left. I thought I was recording a music video. I it was in, in a here. different movie. Got to get back to my catering business. <laughs> Get back to his bong. Uh, Coolio does have a catering business. It's amazing. I bet he's also got a bong. Oh, for sure. Many of them. He has a cookbook, too. Bitch knows how to make some peanut butter chicken. <laughs> oh, wow. A proud owner of Coolio, uh, cooking with Coolio. Nice. Mm. Um, Cooling with Cookie-o. <laughs> his, his peanut butter cookie recipe is actually terrible, but... You know, some people are good well, at chicken. Well, sometimes some you need to put at... down that bong. You know, I think that's a good... <laughs> that's a good lesson to end the show with. We actually did talk about some ghosts, which, thank God, because Hannah wasn't bringing anything to the table. No, we had to get into the horror movies. Teaches me to do cold reads on... Yeah, you, you didn't even know what you were getting into no, there, in did you? in my defense, Winchester House Haunted, one would assume Catacombs Haunted, title of the book... Hannah J. Tidy's Ghost Stories. Can, can, I, can you read the back of the book? I, I'd love to hear how this sells oh, this is, itself. Yeah, this is a good epilogue for, for Buhaha. Um, the headline, Discover the Horrible Facts of These True Ghost Stories. Uh, you know, I will agree that most of those facts were horrible. <laughs> uh, bolded text. Warning. All the stories in this book have been verified as true in all caps. These are not hoaxes. They are backed up by facts, all caps. Maybe disturbing for some, exclamation point. When you purchase Hannah J. Tidy's Ghost Stories, compilation of horrifying real ghost stories, truly disturbing hauntings and paranormal stories, it's the whole <laughs> title of the book. Uh, your skin will crawl with the idea that these stories are real and could happen to anyone. You know, I don't really see my apartment turning into a crypt for six million bones but what are you gonna do that that doesn't sound like the back uh that that sounds like a ad from wikipedia or excuse me from amazon just trying to sell you this when you purchase this book in this new edition ghost stories you will find horrifying chapter on a find a new horrifying this is the second edition in this new edition ghost stories, you'll find a new horrifying chapter on a particular art piece that has been circulating eBay, believed to be extremely haunted. Buyer beware. Oh, is it going to be that uh, box that Wish Upon's based on? No, but I do need to watch that movie. That's so bad. It's amazing. Isn't Barb from Stranger Things in it? Yeah. I do yeah, have that's to watch the one that. She's in. Yeah, Sweet it, angel. Oh, it's... Um, buyer beware. And many, many more newly added ghost stories. Um, we actually did the eBay painting on the episode with Shane, um, but this is also the excerpt on the excerpt on the back of the book. So I'm just going to rehash haunted eBay painting. Here's an excerpt from the book. Haunted painting. 
<laughs> the end. Um, little did he know that he cre- what he created would become something of a legend. Looking at the painting will give you the creeps. In the painting, the boy's eyes are almost non-existent, as if he is squinting. His pale skin appears sickly or even lifeless. Next to him on his right stands a little girl doll with hollow eyes. Within the next ten years, three people who dealt with the painting died suddenly. Everybody that has had a glimpse of the artwork will all agree that it is one creepy haunting image. Verified fact. <laughs> the painting vanished for vanished from the next 26 years and then resurfaced in an eBay listing out of the blue. According to the previous owner of the painting, quote, the children depicted in the painting were coming alive at night and stepping out of the painting into the real world, exclamation point, unquote. Buy it now to get the whole story. Don't delay. Get your copy of Ghost Stories right away. You'll be so happy you did. <laughs> the whole story, they never stepped out of that painting again. So I, that does lead me to something. I know this was the wrap-up, but I, I uh, do all my shows under the uh, name of Macaque Attack Media. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is when I was a very young kid, when I went over to uh, my uh, cousin's house, they had a painting of a macaque monkey that whenever they turned the lights off when I was staying the night, I was convinced was climbing out of the painting. So they would have to turn the painting around to face the wall to keep him from getting out. That checks out. Yeah. Um, See, if they would have just turned that painting around, they would have trapped those kids and they would have followed the same rules that uh, were followed by Dame uh, D- Dame Her- Helen Mirren. <laughs> the the kids would have worked their shit out in that painting and then uh, moved on. Um, okay, so the painting um, is called "The Hands Resist Him," and I'm just going to show you the painting. Um, it's creepy. Yeah, that's a legitimately creepy painting. Um, this, I like it. This artist also does. Um, other paintings that are i would venture to say uh, scarier than this well it looks like he's always got a haunted uh doll yeah i mean this one just looks like jeff bridges hanging out with a (laughs) (laughs) the haunted doll um yeah that that's definitely grumbly era bridges right there oh yeah this is like true grit yeah you you can't quite understand what he's saying but he's got gravitas so that's all that matters (laughs) um yeah, so th- I guess thank you, Hannah. Uh, I This book came into my possession because last Christmas my actual present wasn't going to get here on time. So my boyfriend Googled, or not Googled, Amazon searched ghost stories and bought the first two books that came up. <laughs> so Hannah J. Tidy's ghost stories is one of the first search results <laughs> on Amazon for ghost stories. And the other one is Roald Dahl's ghost stories. Now, why are we not reading those? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's not comedy fodder. What? No, it's not fodder, but it, it might have actually contained ghosts. They are better. Um, I think those are more metaphorical ghosts. Uh, Haunting of the mind and all of that. How, follow the House of Usher shit. Which... That that, that wasn't real. I know. Okay. <laughs> it was just the first, like, non-literal ghost story I could think of. It has been... I don't know, 15 years since I've read that story. I've read it like several more times since then. Still don't know what the fuck it's about. It's probably been 30 years since I've read it. Um, there is a movie on Netflix called Something Stories. That's a different... Oh, I think that's known as Lake Mungo. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> it's different animated versions of Edgar Allan Poe, right? That's yeah. the guy. Yeah, that's right. Edgar Allan Poe stories. Um, it's creepy as shit. There's like uh, the the in between like narration parts are by a raven that's supposed to be death. It's it's insane. Uh, if I think about what the title is, I will tweet it. Um, and that's at Buhaha Pod. Um, please don't email your ghost stories to buhahapod at gmail.com because you probably won't hear them on this podcast until next October. Well, if they do, then you'll have a lot I to will choose have stuff. from. I will have stuff And you to will from. not have to reach out to uh, <laughs> Miss Tidy. No, I want Hannah J. Tidy on the fucking show. <laughs> I am, if she has heard this, I am surprised at what a good sport she's being because we had a true crime author leave a shitty review of Afternoonified after I called him a, quote, chronically wet blanket for his oh. coverage of H.H. Holmes. Oh, man, we need to get these guys on the show. <laughs> I mean, have you have you attempted to reach out to Tidy? I cannot find her. She is not on social media. I think it's a pen name. Oh, man. But Hannah, if you're listening to this, I mean, I can pay for some lessons at the local community college. You're so close. Take you get a slice of pizza at Old Town Pizza. <laughs> Maybe get a drink down at the Shanghai Tunnels. We'll see lots of ghosts. See if we can haunt the catacombs of Portland with you. <laughs> We can get some true, real oh. facts. I, <laughs> I bet this is Avalon calling me. <laughs> it is. Oh. Well, he gets to guest on the show as well. Hey, what's happening? Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. We're still recording. You're on the air. Oh, hello, Emily. Hi, Avalon. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so we, we are in the process of wrapping up i will be making the show all right any, any last words for the audience yeah that works okay that works bye <laughs> it's just not a long episode without avalon um so yeah that's twitter at buha pod uh where can we find you what shows are you doing oh boy uh quite a bit um most mostly you're gonna just find me on facebook uh, macaque attack media um facebook.com slash forgotten fantasies show uh slash cartoons and cocktails and uh slash um shit vhs vengeance you know that other show yeah lots of shows so many shows and they're great oh thanks yeah you were you were great I on had uh, so much fun <laughs> yeah and we uh did record that episode oh, nice. so we will be putting out some posts uh, on that and uh i will link that stuff to you so hopefully you can put it up on your pages and share it with everybody absolutely you can see me making snarky comments about other stuff that i did not prepare it, well i was just like me and miss tidy uh well um thank you michael for oh well thank you so much for the invite i really appreciate it and um it's 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 always exciting to to be on the last episode of anything. It's like I'm the band playing on the Titanic. Yes, you are our uh, our opener, our main act, not opener, closer, closer. That's <laughs> the word I wanted. It's been a long day. Um, so yeah, it's been a long episode. And it's that's been my a very fault. long episode. Um, so yeah, uh, afternoonified is still going. We're on winter hiatus, but we did just release a non-Christmas winter holiday episode, which was fun. Um, I get to say a lot of Swahili words <laughs> and um, look out for Monster Pod probably February, March. 
Yeah, Monster Pod. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big fucking deal, or I'll go crazy trying to make it happen. Anyway. Oh, uh, one last one. One last one. Oh yes. Uh, um, you you can uh, find Macaque Attack Media on YouTube as well. We're starting to post our videos, nice. and that's where we're going to post your videos. Oh, even the cat's out of here. Cat when the cat's like, done, we're done. It's like you guys are done, so we're done. Good goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.